Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. This week I want to talk about jobs. I didn't get for whatever reason. You know, you check out a writer's IMDb page and there's that long list of credits and you think, man, this guy just gets every single job that he ever was up for. But no, we all have a long list of jobs we didn't get for whatever reason. So I thought this week, as I know it's really tough when you get those rejection letters uh, to keep going, I thought I would share some of mine, a long list, a list long enough that it takes up an entire episode of my podcast. So I'm first of all going to start off with a job that I was offered that I had to pass on, and that was laugh-in. And here's the story behind that. It's 1969, and I'm going to UCLA. I am a sports intern at KMPC Radio in Los Angeles, making minimum wage, which was like $1.25 an hour back then. And I was working basically weekends and filling in from time to time during the week. Well, KMPC was a big full-service radio station in L.A., and among the disc jockeys was Gary Owens. And Gary Owens, who had the deep voice, I can't even attempt to do Gary Owens' voice, but Gary Owens at the time was also, you might remember if you are of a certain age, was on Laugh-In, you know, from beautiful downtown Burbank, that sort of thing. And he was the afternoon disc jockey on KMPC in Los Angeles, and he was very funny And I would write material for him, not to be paid, but I just wanted to write some comedy material and see if Gary thought that it was good enough to actually air. And he did air a lot of my stuff. In fact, even from time to time, he would have me come on the air and do bits with him, which was really cool and a reward in and of itself. One day I get a call. From Laugh-In. It was from George Slaughter's office, and the secretary said, could I be in George Slaughter's office tomorrow at 4 o'clock? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why? I don't know, but okay. So I show up in his office, 
And apparently, unbeknownst to me, unsolicited, but Gary had saved a number of the pages of material that I had sent him, and he gave it to George Slaughter, and Slaughter read it and said, this is really good. I want to hire this guy. And so I was offered a job on Laugh-In. I'm 19 years old, and Laugh-In is the number one show in America. And the job was full-time and paid $50,000 a year. Now, I'm making $1.25, and I'm working something like 16 to 20 hours a week, and I'm offered a $50,000 a year job on the number one show in America. And I had to turn it down. I said, is there a way I could do it part-time? Is there a way I could do some of the stuff from home? And he said, no, we need you here every day. Well, had I taken that job, I would have had to leave UCLA and I would have had to forfeit my student deferment. And it meant a couple of months I would be drafted. So... I had to <laughs> I had to say no to a $50,000 a year job. Moving on, I wanted to work at KHJ Radio. And if you're familiar with this podcast or my blog, you know how much I loved KHJ Boss Radio in the late 60s. And I did everything I possibly could to get in there. I applied for jobs in the news department, in the sales department, in the promotions department. I met with several people several times, never, ever got the job. Same thing with uh, being a page at CBS. I applied for that. I interviewed. I went back for more interviews, never, ever got the job. So at some point, I didn't know really what I was going to do with my life. And so I applied to J. Walter Thompson Advertising Agency as a copywriter, basically because I thought, well, maybe I could meet uh, Samantha and uh, and I would have the bewitched life because Darren Stevens was in advertising. I didn't know what I was doing. So I auditioned, I had to write up some commercial copy and was passed on for that. When David Isaacs and I then began our writing career in earnest, we wrote spec scripts and they were rejected. We wrote a Mary Tyler Moore show, it was rejected. We wrote a Rhoda episode, it was rejected twice. Two different producers rejected it. We wrote a couple of pilots that were rejected all over town. We sent off our scripts to a number of agencies, and the agents uh, passed on us too. And eventually, we broke in with the Jeffersons. And so we then kind of had an in with the Norman Lear Company. And so we got a chance to pitch some of the other shows in the Norman Lear empire. One was All in the Family. And we came in and we met with Milt Josephsberg, who was a longtime veteran writer. And again, those of a certain age who know Jack Benny, maybe the most famous Jack Benny joke of all time. You know that he was a, a cheapskate. That was his character. So he was held up one night. And a robber said, your money or your life? 
There's a long pause. And then finally, again, your money or your life. And Jack said, I'm thinking it over. Well, Milt Josephsberg is the comedy writer who came up with that classic line. And now I'm pitching to him on All in the Family. So that was really a thrill. And, of course, to be in All in the Family was really a thrill. But, no, they didn't pick up any of our ideas. Then we went and we pitched Maud, which was another show in the Lear camp. And we would pitch like five, six episodes to Charlie Houck, who was the story editor. And he would generally like one or two, and then he would have to take it up to the producers, and the producers would have to approve the story. Well, they didn't like the story. But we were invited to come back and pitch again. So we did. We came up with seven more mod ideas, went in, pitched. Charlie liked one or two, brought him to the producers, eh, nothing. We pitched again and again. We never got a mod episode, but I kid you not, we must have pitched 50, 5-0 mod ideas and never connected with the producers. There were some shows that wouldn't even let us come in and pitch. Welcome Back, Cotter is the one that uh, I recall. They read our stuff and just did not respond to it at all, did not even invite us to come in and pitch. We uh, tried to get in Rhoda, and uh, (laughs) they remembered our scripts, so no, that was a pass. We had a slight chance with the Mary Tyler Moore Show. There was a writer on staff, Bob Ellison, who read our spec Mary Tyler Moore Show and really liked it and was trying to get us in to do a freelance assignment, which would have been, oh my God, the greatest thing in the world. Unfortunately, they had given a freelance assignment to another writing team who did a piss-poor job, and it turned out to be a page one rewrite. And Ed Weinberger, one of the producers of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, said, that's it, no more freelance writers this year. So we kind of got schneided out of that one. When I was on MASH, I wanted to get a cartoon in The New Yorker. I'm kind of a amateur cartoonist. And so I thought, well, that would really be fun to get a cartoon in The New Yorker. So I contacted The New Yorker and I said, how does one apply to submit a cartoon? And they said, well, just do pencil drawings and do like five or six of them at a time and type in what the caption is and send them off to Lee Lorenz, who was the editor of the cartoon division of The New Yorker. So I did. I came up with five or six and dashed them off and sent them. And a couple of weeks went by and I got the standard rejection letter from The New Yorker. But at the bottom, handwritten, was a note by Lee Lorenz who said, call me and gave a phone number. 
So I did. I called him up and he said, look, these were very good. I really like them. But the way we work here, we want to make sure that you could be a contributing cartoonist and that you will be prolific and you'll be able to keep supplying us stuff every week, that these six cartoons didn't take you a year to compose. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to send me five or six drawings every week, five or six cartoons with captions every week, and I'm going to reject them all, but some I may save, and after a year, then I'm going to start buying your cartoons, and I may even go back and buy some of the cartoons that I rejected. Just not now, because what I'm trying to do is to weed out all of the people who just want you know, for the sake of their ego or bucket list or whatever to have a cartoon printed in the New Yorker. And I said, oh, well, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of that guy. It's, it's going to be a little tough for me because I have a full-time job. And he said, what is your full-time job? And I said, oh, I'm the head writer of MASH. And he went, well, okay, that kind of explains why the cartoons were good. But uh, no, sorry, buddy, unless you can give me five or six drawings every week, I'm not going to print your cartoons. So uh, I never got a cartoon in The New Yorker. In the mid-80s, I decided to branch out and become a baseball announcer. And after a couple of years of sitting in the stands at Dodger Stadium and Anaheim Stadium, I sent out tapes to minor league teams and got a lot of rejections. I did get a couple of offers, but I got a lot of rejections. And I thought, you know what? It's going to be kind of fun just to get the stationery back. So I sent these tapes to every major league team in America and Canada and, as expected, every single one rejected me. I mean, how could they not? <laughs> I had never even done an inning of minor league ball, much less major league play-by-play. But again, you know, I've got this nice stationary Pittsburgh Pirates, Philadelphia Phillies, New York Yankees. And, you know, usually the rejection letters were form and very nice. There are no openings at this time, especially for you. So I still have... I I cherish those uh, rejection letters. And then there was the time that David and I got involved in rewriting movies. I know I told a story before that we had done a movie for Randall Kleiser, who had done The Blue Lagoon, and he was going off to do some movie, Summer Lovers, or something uh, about uh, it was Daryl Hannah and Peter Gallagher, and they were going to go off uh, to Greece to do something. I don't know. And uh, Randall was nervous and wanted a quick rewrite of the script, and so he offered it to David and I. And again, we had just done a movie for Randall, and he was quite pleased with the the screenplay. 
So we told them what we wanted to do, basically just kind of punch it up a little bit and, you know, give him what he said he needed. And he said, great. And we drove home and got a call from our agent when I got home saying that we were fired. I don't know what we did over Laurel Canyon, but somehow we got fired. We got offered the Mighty Ducks from Disney. Remember that movie? The Mighty Ducks. And we read it and we said... You know, this is exactly bad news bears, except with hockey. But it's the exact same story. And we talked to the director and we said, well, what can we do to make this different from bad news bears? Because we want to keep the essence of what you have, but it's just, so clearly a ripoff of Bad News Bears, how can we really own this ourselves? And he listened. This was a phone conversation. He listened and was very respectful and said, okay, let me think about it and hung up. I'm saying maybe two minutes at the most. After that, we get a call from our agent saying, What did you guys do? (laughs) Because they hated you. So, well, and when you see the movie, it is Bad News Bears, but it did really well. So who's to say? Uh, Again, I mentioned this at one time that David and I were up for Police Academy. And when we went in for the meeting and we said, so great. So what's this about? And he said, well, it's about a police academy. We said, yeah. What? And he said, yeah, that's it. Just Police Academy, comedy. Go go do. And we then said to our agent, I, yeah, I don't know exactly what we're supposed to do. And he called and said, you know, they're not enthusiastic enough. Well, had we done Police Academy, believe me, it would not have been the movie that was wildly successful. You know, there was a time when you were offered movie rewrites. At least we were, at least David and I were. And, you know, this was the kind of thing where we would get a call and our agent would say, Michael Douglas is looking for a rewrite on the sequel to Romancing the Stone. Are you guys interested? Do you guys have the time to do this? We would say, yeah. Okay, sure. So they would send over the script and we would read the script. And if we thought that there was something that we could contribute, we would call the agent back and say, yeah, okay, we'll do this. And then they would make a deal and that would be it. And then we would go into Michael Douglas. And by the time we went into Michael Douglas, we actually had a deal in place. Nowadays, it is very, very different. Nowadays, if there is a rewrite assignment, it will go out to five or more writers. The writers, pro bono, have to work out exactly what they would do with the movie, what changes they would make, If they're going to change the story, they would have to come up with a treatment and be able to pitch it beat by beat by beat by beat. And then they would come in and then they would have to pitch it to the studio. 
and the studio would hear five or six pitches and then would select one of the writers to do the rewrite or they would ask for five more writers. But the point is you were doing two weeks worth of work pro bono just trying to get this assignment. Well, I was available and David was on vacation and a producer came to me and said, well, you've done this movie about baseball, right? And you're a play-by-play guy, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, I have a project that is about cricket and it is based on a true story about some inner city youth in Los Angeles who, for whatever reason, decided to get up a cricket game and a cricket league. And they became very proficient at the sport. And eventually they went to England and they competed in some amateur cricket competition. And they said, why don't you think about rewriting it? I said, what do you need? They said, well, the story doesn't work at all. And it's not particularly funny. I said, okay, first of all, do you know anybody who could teach me cricket? Because <laughs> I don't understand cricket at all. I ended up reading up about I still don't really understand about cricket. I think I do, but I, I really don't. Anyway, I came up with a whole new story. Took me about a week. And I had mapped this out with a producer. And I thought I had a really ingenious third act. It was very clever. It was way better than what they had before. So we go in and we pitch it to the studio executive. And he says to me when it is over, well, where are the jokes? And I said, oh, you don't have to worry about jokes. I mean, they'll be there. They'll be there. I know. Where where are any jokes? And I said, well, look, there's some funny scenes here and there are funny characters. And, uh, you know, do you watch Cheers? Do you watch Frasier? He said, yeah. I said, well, I write those shows. So if you like the jokes on those shows, those are the kind of jokes that I'll put in here. And and believe me, that's the least of your problems. It will be funny. But now the story works. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you. I didn't get the job. I did not get the job because I didn't have jokes. And that is pretty much what it is like when you are pitching movies today. So this is just a a sample of my jobs that got away. And oftentimes, you know, you're up for a job and you just, you dying for this job and you don't get it and you're crushed, but it leaves you open for a better job, which comes along and you think to yourself, oh my God, if I had taken that job, then I wouldn't be available for Cheers. You know, I I wouldn't be available for MASH because I'd be locked into some horse shit 
<laughs> you know, show on the WB network. I, I don't know. But the point is, you just got to keep plugging. You just have to assume there's going to be rejections. There's going to be jobs that you don't get. You're going to interview for jobs and you're going to think you crushed it. And for whatever reason, you don't get the jobs. But there are going to be other jobs and in some cases, better jobs. And it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And with that, I always end with good luck. And that will do it for this week here on Hollywood and Levine. As always, our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman and John Wolfert and Bruce and Jason Miller. Should you wish to get in touch with me for any reason, do not send me scripts. I will not read scripts. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But if I read yours, then I have to read everybody's. And uh, there's also legal reasons why I can't. So... Uh, you can email me and, and I will write you back, but please do not send me your scripts. Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com, Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. I am on Twitter at Ken Levine. I'm also on Instagram because everybody has to be on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. If you have not subscribed to this podcast yet, please do. And again, I could shamelessly use a five-star review. So that'll do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Hollywood and the fine.